to Aligned Mama Podcast. We're your hosts, Samantha Kapsick and Nikki Trout. And we're partnering up because we know motherhood is hard. Like really, really hard. (laughs) Really hard. (laughs) Get ready to equip yourself with practical tips and strategies to tackle daily trials, along with insights from expert guest speakers and relatable stories from other moms just like you. Join us weekly for advice, inspiring stories, and a supportive community of moms navigating the joys and challenges of motherhood together. Welcome back, mamas. Today, we have a very special episode uh, for you. We are bringing in our good friend, Antu. Um, If you remember, if you've been listening to the podcast, her daughter, Cynthia, did a podcast a few podcasts ago, and uh, it just was an amazing perspective of life and God from a young person. And so um, Cynthia is the fruit of this beautiful lady sitting next to us, and we are so excited to bring her in because she is the example, she is the epitome of showing up for others. Um, She's lived her life, um, well, she struggled with her family early on in her life, um, and she's got quite a testimony. Um, And then when it comes to showing up, I only know one other person on this planet that I know firsthand, I know there are more out there, but firsthand, I don't know any other people other than one other lady that has shown up so much like her. Um, The group, uh, Line Mama's community, is about showing up for others and just being there and being selfless. And so um, we're so glad to have you on too. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. All right. So to kick things off, um, why don't you uh, maybe give a backstory of where you and your husband have come from? Um, so I'm Vietnamese, and uh, we came from Vietnam in 1975 um, at the very end of the Vietnam War. Uh, my father was a captain in the South Vietnamese Army, and he helped to uh, fight alongside with the Americans. Um, so when uh, the communists won the war, basically in 1975, we were in Saigon, and we went to the fled to the water side, and there was a Thai fishing boat. And when I look back at my life and I see God's hands, you know, on my life. This is where I start with, um, because the Thai fishermen, we were the only family, you know, husband, wife, and two kids that he took on the boat. Um, and all of the other people that he took on were just male soldiers. And Can so I he, pause you for a second? Sure. So you said after the war was over, you fled. Yes. And why were you fleeing? Uh, we were fleeing because my father was fighting against the communists um, with the South Vietnamese army, and he was afraid what would happen to him. Wow. So, wow. Um, and so the, the fishermen t- took us to Thailand where we met up with the American embassy there. And they flew us, they took us in as refugees and they flew us to Guam for a, a couple of days. And then they flew us to a refugee camp in Arkansas. And at that time, the American government was asking for sponsors to help take in some of these refugees. So there was a rich family that lived in uh, Long Island and on Shelter Island, which is near the Hamptons. And they took us in. And so they helped us 
you know, until my father was able to get a job. Now, my father was educated in Vietnam, and he had been a school teacher before he joined the military. When they took you in, what did that look like? So, um, initially, we lived on a trailer in their um, on their property, but then we they also had a guest house. So then we moved into the guest house, and you know, they gave they provided us with food and clothing, and you know, whatever whatever we needed until my father was able to work and support us. And once. He got a job. We um, rented a little house in uh, Shelter Island for a little while, and then we moved o- across the ferry to uh, Greenport, where we lived for a few years, and then we moved to the next town over to Southhold, where I went to high school and graduated from high school. And it was such a wonderful, um, such a wonderful blessing to be raised on Long Island. It's, Long Island is such a beautiful place, especially that part of Long Island, mm-hmm. uh, where everybody is five minutes drive from the water. We could ride our bike to the beach, actually. Wow. So that was a wonderful um, blessing. How old were you when you came over? I was three. And um, when we came over uh, to Shelter Island, it's a very small island. So everybody knew that we were there. And um, there was a, a Christian family who lived on Shelter Island. And they um, came over and brought us to church and started bringing us every week to church. And then my mother became a Christian, and I, you know, my my brothers and I became Christian. And I don't remember, you know, exactly mm-hmm. when I became Christian, but it was, you know, it was through their kindness and their love that um, that's what brought us to Christ. How did other people around the town treat you? I I can't remember, but I think that everybody was kind. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a small small area and a small community. I feel like uh, it was a very ki- you know everybody was very kind for the most part, and uh, we had we had a very good experience. Yeah. Yeah. How were the refugee camps? I know you probably don't remember, but maybe stories from your parents. Were they good conditions or was it, you know, you hear of both, like terrible and then good? Um, you know, honestly, I don't have any memory of that. Um, I think my mother did write a story about it. Um, um, and I think it was okay. It wasn't, you know, luxury or anything, but, right. but you know, the, it was it was fine. Yeah. It was fine. Do you have any recollection of being on that boat? I know you were three and I was really young, but I assume that was like a impactful event. Uh, I don't have any memory of being on the boat, but I do know that I haven't, like, I don't have a, um, like, I, I never really want to go on a cruise. Aww, <laughs> I don't have much yeah. of a, yeah. of a, you it's know, like desire a negative to, reaction to that. Yeah, yeah. To stay on a boat for too long. That's interesting. <laughs> Okay, so can you bring us up to speed um, from what you know regarding your husband and where he came from? So it was very interesting because, um, so I came in 1975. My husband came to the U.S. in 1997 um, as a refugee from um, Sri Lanka because of the Civil War in Sri Lanka. And so we met in New York City and um, and met and got married quickly and uh, so he has his story was similar. He was not a Christian. Um, I was a Christian, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really following at the at that moment, you know, following my faith at the moment. Um, but he did become a Christian. He went to church with me for five years, and he became a Christian. Um, so, but it was just so amazing that we both had been refugees from, you know, countries that mm-hmm. had had civil war. Yeah, that's like such a God thing, because like, what are the chances, you know? Especially right. just being in New York, and then total God moment. I feel right. like. Yes. And you can both look at each other and say, like, we both fled for our lives at one point or another. Many of us in America can never say that. Okay, so moving on. So you, you well, did you talk about what religions you guys were? So, um, so I mean, I, I, my family traditionally was Buddhist, and my father actually 
held tight to that for a long, long time. But a couple of years before he died, he um, did become a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God. Yeah. Um, and my husband's family was Hindu, but my husband was, it was more of a cultural thing for him. He didn't really, he, he wasn't strong in his Hindu faith. Yeah. So, um, yes, but then he did become a Christian. So. Gotcha. Yeah. So amazing. All right, so let's fast forward to your younger marriage life and starting to have kids. So um, maybe you can walk us through that and how many kids you ended up having. Oh, well, so um, so we had Bethany, uh, we, we got pregnant with Bethany right after we got married and um, had her in 2001, and she's 22 now, uh, 22, and she actually is married and has her own little little daughter and she's expecting another one in april (laughs) thank you so we're super excited about that and then we had cynthia so my daughter cynthia is now 20 and the one who had done the podcast Mm -hmm. and she's in her third year at pensacola christian college and she's an amazing young lady um and then uh, my son is um surian is uh in his first year at snt at rala and then my daughter vivian is 14 and then my youngest is 12 sandra and we hope that um, one of two of her daughters gets married into my family. Or <laughs> main marriages. Yes. yes. <laughs> Never thought I'd be okay with that, but I'm like, Cleet, I mean, I'm not going to say this on the podcast. So never mind. We're just going to move forward. But I love, love, love her family. In fact, the first time that I met you all, and I think I we shared this on a podcast, but I cut it out because I was like, ah, maybe it doesn't make sense. But um, we were looking for a caretaker to come into the house for Sadie during her cancer journey. And you guys all showed up, and I forgot you guys were coming that day because I'm not good with scheduling. And my no, house, not us. I know, <laughs> my house was crazy. And first off, I you you guys were all like standing outside your van, and just I approached you, and everyone had that like million dollar smile, like, "Hey, I'm the nicest person in the world," <laughs> and I just remember that. And then. Um, you you guys came in the house and you're like hey it is fine you guys it's lived in and i was like oh my gosh so yeah i fell in love with your your whole family right away and then cynthia started babysitting sadie really like coming in nannying and then um so did vivian and sansa sometimes too so um anyways going back to okay so you had uh five kids that are amazing kids um i know throughout the years you have taken other kids or families or even young adults in um i guess maybe starting from back in the day can you speak to that um so we did start doing we did do foster care for about three years and we started um about 14 years ago we 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 did foster care um, and we did, we took in teenagers um, and some small kids with foster care. They're always asking you to take kids all the time. Uh, and some would stay for, you know, a few weeks. Some would stay for a few months. Um, so the very first child we had, um, we actually, I'm still in touch with her. And we became friends with her mother who, act, and her mother actually, af- after she went back home, she, her mother started coming to our church and we became good friends with wow. her mother. And wow. I really tried to be friends with some of the you know, parents of the children who we had for a while, mm-hmm. just so that we could still stay in touch with them. And I'm still in touch with another uh, young lady um, who I just helped her get her driver's license. She just got her driver's <laughs> license last week, so yeah. I was really excited about that. So it was, it was nice to stay in touch with those girls. Um, and we, we, so we did it for three years, and then we stopped um, um, because, you know, we had, we had another baby, and we were just, you know, busy with, with all mm-hmm. of our children. Um, but yeah, that was a great experience. I would highly recommend it to anybody who is thinking about foster care. It's 
it's it's it's it's a lot of work. It's it's um, very busy, uh, but but it's well worth it rewarding. in my opinion. Very rewarding. Yeah. Yes, very mm-hmm. rewarding. I really would. I highly would would highly recommend it. You know, get a lot of advice. You know about you know what you're doing, but just yeah. um, but it's a great experience. I highly recommend that. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, over the years, I know you've you've taken in other families, and I know you probably have done it so much that you don't even remember half of them. But I know you've, like Sarah, you you took in, and I know even Cynthia had a college friend that was going to come stay the summer with you. So yes, yeah, so um, yes, so Sarah actually had been a foster child, um, and she was an adult when this happened. So she, but, but, you know, she was still a young adult and um, she needed a place to stay. And so, you know, we were happy to have her. I mean, when I grew, living in New York City, everybody and their mother came to visit us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, you live in these small apartments because nobody can afford big ones. And so we always had people sleeping on our couch in New York City, uh, visitors, visitors, yeah. people coming to visit because everybody wanted to come to New York City and see the city and they'd all come and stay with us. So we were used to having people come over. That wasn't mm-hmm. a big deal. And Sarah was, you know, we had known Sarah from when she was 15 or 16. So we already knew her. Mm-hmm. And so so when she needed a place, we were happy to have her. Um, and then she she stayed maybe, I don't know, almost a year. She got married, and now she has. She just had her third baby, uh-huh. <laughs> girl. Yeah. Um, and then my, Cynthia's friend Hannah came and stayed for the summer, and Hannah was, you know, just enjoying the summer with Cynthia. They were good friends, mm-hmm. but we didn't mind having her. And you know, and then my friend, um, my friend's son, um, Alejandro, who um, actually she, his mother was one of my good friends from college, one of my few friends from college that I'm still close with. So he came and stayed for a month last summer. Um, just to get to see the the Midwest, mm-hmm. um, we had a great experience with him, and he's t- helped come to Christian camp and staff with, at Christian camp, and um, and we're hoping he'll come back next summer. So it seems like you have ministered to all of them along the way, whether they've found God or not. Is that? Oh, uh, we've tried. We've yeah. tried. Yes, we've mm-hmm. tried. Well, you know, I've I you know, people were kind to us when we came to this country. People were very kind. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They. You know, just opening their homes and you know, just showing showing love, you know, yeah. f- to our family. And so I wanted that's something that I wanted to do for other people, mm-hmm. you know, just to show that hey, you know, you know, to God has given to us, we can also give to other people. Right. Um, so we 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 try. So okay, in full transparency, you know, ha- hosting people, you know, there's always like a little bit. I don't know if it's called like anxiety or like you know, you want to just make sure everything's right and. You know, you can't really let your hair down all the way. Okay, these are just my thoughts. Do you, in honesty, when a new family had come over the years or you got new foster kids, was there ever a moment of like, you know, like, this is going to be tough, but I can do it? I mean, or were you like full board, like, all right, sure? Um, Well, I think it was harder for my family Mm -hmm. (laughs) than for me. I think my kids, you know... They, you know, because they, they're they used to having people come over. They're used to, you know, friends c- coming at any time, yeah. you know, they want. So they're, they're used to that on the one hand. On the other hand, you know, they do have to be a little bit um, politer, a little bit less, you know, a little bit more selfless. They have to um, be um, a little bit kinder and more so have a little bit more self-control. <laughs> yeah. So for them, I feel like for them, it was harder, but they've been great about it. You know, God has really, I think, used these situations to help them yeah. grow and mature um, and and just teach them to have better character. So um, it was harder for them. Like for me, 
I don't I don't care. I mean, anybody can come and I don't, you know what I mean? It is what it is. And <laughs> it just gives you a lot of joy next week. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll be staying for yeah. a month. Mom vacation. No, <laughs> so, so is it for you then? Is that when you feel like, like joy, I guess, the, you know, I guess when, for example, when we go and we help a mom and need to do an outreach event, there's just like this overflowing joy that comes with that. Is that part of that, that you feel? Um, uh, probably it's <laughs> a loaded question probably i mean i yeah. i i mean i like i like young people i mean i like people mm-hmm. i you know i i enjoy having company yeah. so um you know i if they can stay in the messy house yeah i'm good it's just kind of normal now yeah. you know like it just doesn't really affect you that much because it's just so normal for you now i mean i feel like as long as they're comfortable mm-hmm. as long as they're okay with okay this is how the house looks yeah. and this is what we're eating for dinner and if you don't want it you can get yeah. something else yourself <laughs> you know as yeah. long as they're okay then right. i'm okay well yeah. i think you brought up the best point and this is something that and i've been actually very much stressing this week just because the dogs have been really uh, muddy so for the folks listening, whenever you're listening to this podcast, it is um, almost February and it's just muddy, soppy, wet outside. And we have four German shepherds. So I, I'm feeling like just frustrated with our house and the mud and all that stuff. However, it, it is good that you're saying this. You're bringing me back into it because it's like, you know, you it's good to be stewards of your home and all those things. But I remember my grandma or my husband's grandma, Grandma Trout, and she did not have the most put together house but I tell you, every day, every night, she was cooking for someone at the church, going and taking someone to a doctor's office. So I'm like, I at the end of the day, I'd rather be that person, you know? So maybe your house sometimes is a reflection. If you live in a museum, maybe that's a reflection on, hey, where are you putting your time in? So I think that is a wonderful, wonderful point of what you're, what you're bringing in and reminding women out there. You're not meant to live in a museum if you're spending all your time, unless you have this good system, which we're talking about a fly lady book series. So it's like trying to be efficient in the little time that you have to take care of your house. But I think the best thing is, is like uh, still where are you allocating your time? So I love that you said that. So, um, all right. I know it was at last summer you had some kiddos that are different than the kiddo. So currently, um, on two is, um, not fostering, but basically the same thing with two little boys, if I'm okay to say that on here. And then last summer, there was another family. Um, well, so we were babysitting for another family last summer, with, and they had four kids who were um, ages um, uh, like seven, five, three, and one at the time. Um, and they were a handful, as you can imagine, at that age, mm-hmm. they were a handful. Yeah. And um it was a lot of work, but yeah. we weren't, we didn't, they didn't sleep at our house, Yeah. but they would come over and, you know, right. that was because their mom was working full time. And so we were watching them and, and were um, you charging their mom? Um, you know, she did, she did pay me something, mm-hmm. but I never, you know, I never asked her, okay, you need, you know, I owe you owe me this much or that right. much. You know, if she gave me something, I was right. like, okay, thank you. But if she yeah. didn't, I didn't ask for it, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever she was able to give, that was fine. I remember Cynthia sharing about that. So just another labor of love. All right, so let's maybe go a little sidestep for a second and um, raising kids. So now that you've had all this experience raising your own five kids, you have a couple still in the house um, and multiple multitudes of other kids. Um, do you have any advice for women out there that are currently in the season of raising kids? We all know it's kind of hard. Do you have like top three suggestions for those moms listening or any advice to give? Okay, well, if you are a Christian family, 
my 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 best advice is um, do devotions, which we don't always do, but do devotions, family devotions with the children um, as often as you can every day if you can, um, and pray with them and teach them from the Bible directly from the Bible. Um, because I feel that um, if the kids see that you you know you really take seriously what the Bible has to say then they will also take seriously what the Bible has to say. And you can't rely necessarily on your church, not that there are not great churches out there, but you can't rely on your churches to um, disciple your children. You know, you, it's, it's your responsibility to raise them in the faith. If, you, if they're going to be raised in the faith, it's your responsibility, not the church's. So that would be the, my top advice for Christian families. Um, just for families in general, um, I would say that... Um, um, quality time, if you can spend quality time with your children, just listening to whatever it is they want to talk to you about, you know, showing you their pictures or their, um, you know, what, you know, just, just listening to whatever the kids want to talk about doing their hair. Not that I'm, <laughs> not that I'm an expert, but at least, you know, just, um, spending, trying to spend some quality time with your kids as much as you're able to. Mm-hmm. I think that that, that's really key to raising, um, stable children. Um. I once heard a quote and I loved it because it said, when your kids are little and they want to tell you all the silly things, but we are like, oh, you know, that's pointless. Or, you know, sometimes it's like the mom, mom, mom can be redundant and they want to tell you the smallest stuff. Um, But if we don't show them that we care about the small things, um, and then when they're teenagers and we're like, why don't they, why don't you want to talk to me? Why don't you want to tell me anything? It's like, if you don't, start that young you know then then it leads to like if you want a kid that's going to be close to you and tell you all the things um it starts when they're young and just doing the little things the nothings so I just love that and I loved that quote or I guess saying it stuck with me over the years and just a remembrance of to not just you know it can be so easy especially when they're so young to like try to brush it off or you know you're busy and um, like try to be really intentional with like listening to the little tiny stories you know little stuff yeah um the second thing which i'm not i'm also not the best at either that's something that god has to help me with (laughs) is to praise the kids Mm -hmm. as much as you can as much as you're able to you know what i mean oh thank you for picking that up oh thank you for helping me Mm -hmm. thank you for washing those dishes you know thank you for being a good girl thank you for listening you know thank you for obeying Mm -hmm. you know whatever you can praise them for try and praise them because um you know, I feel that, you know, it's easy to be critical and to find, okay, well, you didn't do this and you didn't do that and you that was wrong and that mm-hmm. was naughty. It's easy to, to have that negative um, yeah. spirit. Mm-hmm. But, um, but if you praise your children, then um, they'll take that and they right. will, you know, they'll... Encourages them. Yes, it will, they'll bloom with that. Yeah. It will help them be even better for you, you yeah. know, and so Lisa, I feel like that's my cousin was on a podcast and she talked about it in the same way. It was called deposits and withdrawals. Your withdrawals are your discipline, which you have to do. But she says, always make sure your deposits outweigh your draw- withdrawals. That's a very good um, analogy. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And sometimes I feel like we got to speak stuff into our kids. Like sometimes when my daughter's doing something and she's whining, I'm like, oh, Josie, thank you so much for obeying mommy so well on the first time. (laughs) And she's like, what? (laughs) But, you know, you speak in life into them. Right. All right. What's your third? Um, So my third thing is, um, so, you know, the Bible says, you know, let your yes be yes and your no be no. 
and um, stick with that. Preach. So, yeah. Preach, woman. <laughs> Drop the mic. Yeah. Consistency. <laughs> so, you know, so you need to be very careful what you say to your children. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you say, if you do that, I will yes. punish you in whatever mm-hmm. way that you've decided, you need to follow through. Yeah. So even though it's not, you know, necessarily going to be pleasant, right. whatever you say, you need to follow through. Or if you say, okay, I will, you know, give you this ice cream if you do whatever. You sure. know, if you clean your room, then you'll get ice cream. Mm-hmm. You need to follow through. You know what I mean? So basically, it, it doesn't have to be, they have to, they have to know that, okay, I know that my mom and dad mean what they say. Therefore... Mm-hmm. I'm going to be careful how I choose to live my life, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because if I choose to disobey, I will get that consequence. If I choose to obey, I will get that blessing. So they they need to know that you are women of your word. Mm -hmm. So be a woman of your word. Don't say, oh, you know, this is the last one. I'm gonna. This is your last chance. But you know, you're going to give them, you know, 20 more. Sure. Because then they are like, well, they don't have any security, and they. They just don't have any security, and they're not going to behave for you yeah. because they know that you don't really mean what you say. Right. So that's really important. That's good. That is so good. And that's something that I've struggled with, I guess, like, to as a young mom or learning, like, I would unintentionally, like, the kids would be like, hey, on this day, can we go and do this? And at the time, I'd be like, yeah, sure. And then, you know, life happens, and something comes up or whatever, and they would get upset and say, well, you promised whatever and um, I really felt convicted with that because I wanted to be a woman of my word and it was always like unintentionally or a lot of times out of my control and so something that I um, learned from a book was um, and I use it all the time now and I love it is if it's something like in the future like in there asking you know can we do this on Thursday Um, I always tell them like we'll see how it goes I can't commit to that right now and so giving them this open like Maybe that's a possibility. That's like, good. I want it to happen, but I can't mm-hmm. commit to you with that right now. Like, I'm just not capable. And so I think that's really helped me um, because, you know, when kids are little, they want the answer right then if they can do this thing or whatever. And so I've just, like, learned over time to, you know, yeah, something that has helped me. Any other advice for other moms out there? Um, well, I... So I don't know. I mean, for those of you who have teenagers. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, speak speak as much as you want on this topic. Yeah, this is a hard are. topic. Yeah. Um, something that we've, we've kind of learned from experience. Um, I would not allow your children to date too young. I think that, um, you know, I think that, I think 16 is the absolute minimum. Mm-hmm. And I think that even at 16, it should not be a, a one-on-one. I think that um, you should avoid allowing your kids to date or spend too much time talking to, you know, somebody that they're interested in. Except on the for phone. my son, <laughs> <laughs> um, at a young age, because yeah. they're really that's not something they need to focus on. It's very distracting. There's a lot of po- potential heartache involved for either them or the other party. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not wise. It's just not wise. If you're able to prevent that from happening, mm-hmm. I would prevent that from happening. Allow them to have friends. Group yeah. group outings. Always group outings. You know, supervised if necessary. Um, talk to them a lot about you know the kids that they're friendly with, if, that they're possibly interested in. Um, but just um, avoid any one-on-one dating. 
you know, until it's beyond your control. (laughs) You know, until they're 18, they can do what they want or whatever age that you decide. But I, it's not, it's, you know, there's been heartache, there's been struggles, there's been a lot of, I feel that, you know, heartaches for other people and for for my children, Mm -hmm. for allowing them to date a little bit too young. And so I would highly recommend not doing that. (laughs) So. Well, from a Christian standpoint, you know, um, I always tell my kids, like, dating is for marriage. And Mm -hmm. so you're not going to be ready to get married at 14. So why are we pursuing this, stirring up feelings that, you know, you have years before you can act on those feelings. And, you know, people always, maybe that aren't as Christian or whatever, look at me like I have like five heads. Um, But, you know, I've instilled that into my boys. Like, that's the purpose. If you are a Christian and wanting to walk out this walk with the Lord, like that is the purpose of dating is for marriage. Yeah, that's so good. It's what I tell my kids. My husband and I are very much... um, in line with that and we like you said we said you can be friends we want we want them to be friends with the opposite sex to learn about them and learn you know learn what they like in a woman and what to look out for so really really great point yeah. uh before we move on to the next topic any other advice for women listening or something you would do differently now that you've oh. had a kid a couple kids out of the house oh well this this is not really in relationship with my children mm-hmm. but with my husband um i know that you know I would say probably every, <laughs> almost every marriage has struggles, yeah. and we certainly had our share of struggles. We came to the point of near divorce uh, multiple times uh, for multiple reasons. Um, but what God really showed me, which, um, which really helped me, because I, you know, I always, you know, in this generation of, you know, feminism and, mm-hmm. oh, women are, women can do it all. And I've always felt like, well, I can do everything and I can yeah. do it better than he can. <laughs> so why do I have to listen to him, you know? And that was always my bad attitude that I had, which caused a lot of struggles in our, in our mm-hmm. marriage. Um, but what God, you know, God teaches, you know, biblical submission to, a, to your godly husband or yeah. to your husband, um, God, the Bible does teach submission. Uh, in a godly way, you know, he, right. he can't, you know, he's not going to beat you or, right. you know what I mean? But in yeah. a godly way, um, because there can only be one boss, one top, top, top mm-hmm. dog in your house, and it's going to be you or it's going to be him. Yeah. And the Bible says that it's, it's him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, when I learned it to submit to God, in order for me to submit to my husband, I had to submit to God first. Mm-hmm. And I had to recognize, you know what, God's got this. God loves me more than my husband. God yeah. loves me more than anybody in the world than anybody else in the world loves me, mm-hmm. and that He's got this. And so, because I will obey God, mm-hmm. I will submit to my husband mm-hmm. in matters of decisions, right. ultimate decisions. Yeah. I mean, you, I have my input, but mm-hmm. He has the ultimate decision. And when I learn to, okay, God, you've got this. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I will. Okay, if my husband says we can do this or we can't do that, okay. Yeah. It's his decision. I'm just going to trust that God has got this. And once I learned that, it took a long time, years and years and years to learn that. But once I learned that, I feel that God's blessed has blessed our marriage so much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's become so much stronger because of that. Do you feel like a weight has been lifted off of your shoulders when you've allowed, to, when you've given your husband the control over those big decisions? I know that I've gone through that and I'm like, this is so nice. He's the one that gets to do it, you know? And then also, do you feel like because you're honoring him, he wants to actually honor you more? Yes, yes. I do feel that there's a lot more, um, just a lot more harmony in the family, a lot more um, respect, you know, between mm-hmm. the two of us. I feel that 
he wants what's best for our family, beca- and because I'm willing to let him have that final decision, um, he's um, more willing to listen right. to my input. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, as my daughter has pointed out and other people have pointed out, okay, he, he well, you know, when we die, <laughs> he has to answer to God mm-hmm. for our family, for right. me and for the children. He has to answer to God, not me. Mm-hmm. So if I take that away from him, I mean, then I have to answer to God (laughs) for that, you know, and I would rather let him be responsible (laughs) for how the kids turn out and it won't be my fault. (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay. So we're going to jump subjects and that was such a wealth of uh, wisdom and we're so grateful again that you've come on this podcast. I know that you are like the budget queen. Uh, Samantha is too in different ways of like, uh, thrifting and all these things, but I know you are like the super budget queen. Any advice or uh, a rhythm of how you go about doing it each week? <laughs> yeah, that one caught you off guard. I didn't well, send you that beforehand. Um, so, okay, well, it, that's a little bit, it's, it's hard to answer because, um, so if, if, if I were living by myself, I would be extremely wealthy. But since I'm not, and you know, I've got we've got several people spending money, and mm-hmm. many kids with access to the credit card, um, we have not been good with money. But um, I feel like from everything I've heard over the years, you guys are amazing with money. <laughs> and you say that but you have a whole property up here, like practically our neighbors, a whole huge house or house in a horse farm. You have another house, and then another house. I feel like you've done pretty good. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, so my advice about money would just be, um, well, I mean, if, if you, you know, I mean, you know, there's that financial piece, um, mm-hmm. from Dave Ramsey, name, Dave Ramsey that you could listen to and I, and he's got great advice. Um, but I think that, um, try not to, I mean, if you don't need it, don't buy it, yeah. you know what I mean? And try to, um bargain you know find you know just if you know if you you know you want a new couch but you know what if you can find a secondhand one on you know at the thrift store or find a secondhand one mm-hmm. and on amazon marketplace or a yard sale mm-hmm. you know what i mean like why spend nine hundred dollars when you could spend 90 bucks right. and get a nice couch right and the kids are going to wreck it anyway so <laughs> it's all good you know just be you know just just be wise always bargain always Check prices, mm-hmm. check different places where you could get things cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, like at the grocery store, do you mm-hmm. shop for deals or how do you go about doing that each week? Uh, well, I know I usually don't buy name brands. I'll usually buy, you know, the store brands and, and, and I try, I try not to buy what we're not going to use mm-hmm. too much of. Like I try to buy the basics and, um, just, you know, try. I'm always eating leftovers. Yeah. I don't throw them away. Either I eat them or my chickens eat them. <laughs> but somebody eats them. And so we, we just try to be careful with that stuff. And, and, you know, clothes. Like, for example, this sweater I've probably had for, you know, 10 years at least. And and I keep my clothes until they fall apart. And you know, once they're falling apart, then I can get rid of them. But if they haven't fallen apart yet, I'm still going to keep them. <laughs> so, I you know, and I just don't go. We, we try to avoid them all. I mean, I avoid them all. My kids might not. But, but yeah, so... We just try to save money that way. I think avoiding the mall is huge because we do the same thing. Um, we buy pretty much 
everything second-handed just because I'm like, what's the point? And, and just being good stewards of our money, but also like, I want to be able to spend our money on other things like more kingdom purpose stuff, you know, and clothes and everything is just so marked up. So, um, and I'm not saying like, you know, on Christmas or kids birthdays, of course we do buy some things new. It's not a absolutely no, you know, no buying new. Um, but we went to the mall, um, a few weeks ago with our friends and we were just like hanging out with them. They had to go get something and we all tagged along as a family after church. And, um, it was just crazy. I was like, Oh man, this really does make you like want all this stuff and see all this. And like, I haven't been to a mall in so long. And I'm like, it's like, and all my kids are going crazy for things. And I'm like, this is why we don't go. No, it's not like we're anti-mall. It just happened that we just haven't been in a long time. Life is busy and we live actually pretty far from a mall. So it wasn't intentional, but it made me realize like, oh, wow. Like when you're going, seeing the stuff, it creates that want and desire in you and the kids. Well, very good. I have two more questions for you. Um, what do you do in your spare time? What is a hobby that you have and how are you able to do that? <laughs> um, well, I have chickens and I enjoy my chickens. <laughs> I enjoy giving them leftover food and um, getting their eggs. Um, so I enjoy my chickens. So um, that would probably be my best hobby. <laughs> Do you have any other ones? Uh, if I had time, I would read. But right now we are taking care of two little kids, um, a two-year-old and a one-year-old, and they are a handful. Mm -hmm. So, But thank God I do have help with them. I have good friends who are willing to take them for the day and um, on a regular basis. So that's a super helpful. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm super busy, but if I had time, I would read books. I enjoy, I love to read and, but yeah, we're super busy. What type of books do you like to read? Um, well, I love... I'm guessing not nasty romance novels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You'd like throw the whole like, audience off like, wait, <laughs> she had me until then. I'm just kidding. Uh, well, I, I like, I like, because hi history was my, one of my yeah. minor in, was my, 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 I think my major in college. And so I love historical <laughs> historical novels or mm -hmm. you know or, or autobiographies or biographies of, yeah. of real people because mm -hmm. I feel that you know when you actually read what somebody actually did mm -hmm. it's so inspiring right. you know to say oh wow they actually you know went through the jungle for three days you know with you know an armful of kids and yeah. survived it yeah. or whatever it is that they did you know I love to read that right um I have to just say something really silly. Um, it's a YouTube video series called Simple History. And for the kids, like it's like short videos of actual events in history. I don't know. I'm trying, what I'm trying to say is this <laughs> Simple History video was so funny because it was, if you stop and think that this is actually a real person that did this, but I think he was the commander of like a couple, two other people in his unit. They were out in the wilderness and they were fighting this guerrilla warfare or whatever it was. But after it was over, they, they were so into their roles that they didn't believe it and they just kept going. So just speaking of like real people did real things. So that's not a, a good one to uh, praise, but it actually did happen. So I do also love history. So... My husband's going to be listening to this and like, oh, they need to put all the real facts because every time we talk about this, 
<laughs> statistics and stuff on here. He's always like, those were great, except for you didn't give me the real numbers or the real statistic. And you just said you watched a thing or saw a video. And he's like, I want the real stuff. That's why I love that it's like our podcast. We can be like, no, it's just what we're going to do. <laughs> There's this thing of the study of this person that they did it one time. And they said this. I read an article on TikTok. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, just to make it a wrap. So um, obviously you've um, showed how much you've shown up for, for people over the years, the course of your life. Um, is there any advice you would give to people that maybe have failed in showing up for their close peers, their family, or um, if somebody just hasn't and they should be like steps to start doing it? Uh, well, I would say it's never too late. And I would say I would start with your family you know, either do something nice, you know, call your mom and, you know, talk to her and or listen to her talk <laughs> for however long she wants to talk. And, you know, go and, you know, make dinner for your dad or, or, or your husband, you know, like do something to sweet. Me. Mine too. Like, <laughs> you is know? this message for me? <laughs> you know, start with your family. Do, you know, think of something you can do for them. Spend time with your children. You know, start with your family to show show some love. Um, and you can start with your family and then move on to your neighbors, um, you know, and just do, you know, do small things. You know, if you know somebody who recently had a baby, I know that other people do, you know, bring meals and things. And I feel like that's a huge, a huge thing for the person who's in need of it. Yeah. Um, so just find out, you know, just do start with small and just never too late. And even a, even a phone call is so encouraging for somebody who's mm-hmm. lonely or needs to talk. Yeah. So just start small and just, and just, just do it. I like how you started out with a family because our first duty is Mm -hmm. with our family. So, and I know Samantha, sometimes when we've been busy with what we're doing with the women's community, we felt a little bit guilty about, oh, we haven't spent much time with the kids this week because we had this event and that going on. Um, So that just, again, reinforces, I think that's our duty as a mother too, as a wife and a mother. So, um, and I do need to call my parents more. I think, too, what I'm learning is and what God's showing me is that with our family and our kids is just like making all the little moments that we like sometimes we think like, oh, we need to sit down and do this family game night. And that's all great and wonderful. Um, But I think God's showing me like, hey, just like be in the moment in all of the moments and in the small things and in the car rides and in the, you know, like give them your full attention while you are with them um, is so much so impactful and like we think we have to do these big things but I think it's like all those little things adding up and can you know over the lifetime makes a difference well we don't have time to touch on why Antu also is an animal lover just like Samantha (laughs) that's gonna be my favorite part she's rescued animals do you have any uh, rescue animal stories real quick (laughs) Well, I don't know if we actually rescued these animals, but um, but but people offer us animals. You know, we've so our dog we we, we got a flat tire coming out of camp, and we pulled into the first house that we came to and uh, asked the guy to fix our tire, and he was super sweet and fixed the tire. And while he was fixing the tire, his son came out and said, "Hey, we've got puppies, and you can have one." <laughs> and I didn't have anything, any money to give this guy to pay for him to you know uh-huh. to fix our tire. And I thought, well, maybe I'll take a, a puppy. Of course, at the time, the dog was only a foot long, but now he's like five feet long and and a hundred and some odd pounds, and which we never imagined at that point. Um, so we that's how we got one dog, and then another dog uh, was was also given to us 
uh, because she was a poodle, a little mini poodle, and her owner didn't realize that, you know, mini poodles, little dogs need to go to the bathroom outside often, (laughs) or they'll go all over your house. And so she gave away that dog to us, and other people have offered us their dogs. And I've never, you know, actually had to go and get a dog because people have, I mean, we did buy one dog, but I never had to buy dogs, but people always... I remember a story maybe one or two years ago where maybe you were out with Vivian or one of the kids doing a sports thing and there was like a stray dog and and they were talking about mom going and trying to find it, making sure it was okay or something like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Making sure it was fed. Oh yeah. So we um there was a somebody had just dropped off a dog um across from the 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 mall in the, the the well it used to be a mall um at the Mills the Mills mm-hmm. Mall mm-hmm. um just dropped it off in the like lot it was a puppy and so we went and got it some food and um the next day we called animal control to come get it because you know it obviously was not going to yeah. survive there right so and my husband didn't want us to take any more dogs. <laughs> I think God's calling you to open a dog shelter, <laughs> <laughs> among other things. <laughs> All right. Well, that was such a great podcast, and uh, we just are so grateful for examples like you, godly examples of women that you came from nothing, so you could have ended your life with nothing, and you could have said. Woe me, poor me all my life. I just never had anything yet. You fought it. You got your college degree. You met a husband. You followed God. You had great kids. We didn't even really touch on homeschooling. She's homeschooled all of her kids. And she just, she's one of those moms that, you know, beautifully goes against the grain. And she just, uh, his, in this little bitty body is just in such an example of strength. So we are encouraged by you and we're so grateful to have you on the podcast. For the most important question, what are you having for dinner tonight? <laughs> No clue. <laughs> I don't Dang know. It. <laughs> but you're welcome to come. But, <laughs> but you're welcome to come. Nikki, what are you having for dinner? I did put potatoes on my counter. So maybe something with potatoes. I actually meant to get deer meat out in the free- freezer, but I haven't. So remind we should, me. We should go do that. Yes, let's go do that. So uh, frozen veggie, red potatoes, and deer. What about you? Um, I'm going to make some beef stew. But like in the Instapot, because I wasn't, you know, smart enough to start the crock pot (laughs) this morning. So it'll be Instapot beef stew. And it'll taste fantastic. So, alrighty. See you next time, mamas. (laughs) See, that was easy. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another Line Mama podcast. We hope you found value in today's topic. For more mama resources, Go to alignedmamas.com, follow us on social, and join our Aligned Mamas community Facebook group to connect with other moms just like you. We'd like to hear from you. Have a podcast topic? Want to get in touch with us? Want to share your story as a guest? Email us at alignedmamas at gmail.com. See you next time. I can see through my feelings now. I can see clear through my mind. And the secret is to shut my eyes